With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. show. I'm Casey Bartley, your host, and Andrew Ledman will be off. Instead, we've got Kyle Holderfield, our football extra or expert and lead writer on the site. Kyle, how are you doing today? <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, shouldn't we just call this the Casey Bartley podcast show at this point? I, I feel like Ledman hasn't been on in weeks. We're getting pretty close. We're definitely going to put just my name on the check for a couple months. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense personally, but Everything's good over here in Lafayette, West Lafayette, on the you know the eve of Fourth of July here, um, just awaiting my upper middle class neighborhood to start blowing things up so my dogs can hide. Yeah, we're pretty risky doing this. It's uh, currently eight twenty in the Eastern Standard Time, and I'm gonna guess that both of us. Uh, I've already got dogs barking in my background, but we might uh, towards the end of this podcast have some uh, explosions all around us. Yeah, Mackie has the thunder shirt on and is on CBD oil. So hopefully she's drugged out for the night. So put Pineapple Express on the TV. She'll be locked into it. (laughs) Coco Melon. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, we'll miss Ledman, I guess. But more importantly, excited to have you on, Kyle, to talk some football, which we've mostly avoided for good reason all summer. (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's obvious reasons. You know, last year's COVID season was obviously not what everybody expected especially once the uh you know the schedule came out and we saw our eight game schedule for the big 10 where everybody thought we were going to go seven and one and it you know turned into a let's be honest a complete shit show where it seemed like um players were kind of opting out obviously they were because of COVID 19 and opting out in general it just seemed like there was a little bit of a culture issue going on in the middle of the season that no, hopefully he's been corrected for our six million a year head football coach yeah it's definitely about time that uh all this financial investment in the program and excitement pays off because there's not many more sub 500 uh, seasons that are going to keep people coming to Ross aid. Uh, We're probably going to get pretty lucky that people are going to be restless and want to get out and about doing things, but it's not been a great product uh, the last few years. So it'll be nice to, you know, not since year two. Yeah. So it'll be nice to see things uh, tilt up in our direction. Unfortunately, though, our outline doesn't start off with great news. Uh, We have seen a trend over the summer, uh, even more medical uh, retirees uh, leaving college football, and it's hit us hardest on the offensive line. Can you go ahead and uh, just say some of the names that uh, who have decided to not continue their career and the kind of hole it leaves behind for our offense? Uh, Yeah, you know, we come after the after the season the the offensive line really actually played pretty well down the stretch 
Um, you know, Xander Horvath started getting some running lanes and things like that. And you look into the off season, you know, and, and I thought that we had almost two deep at every single position. And, you know, the, the 10 good offensive linemen and Big Ten football would serve us pretty well. But all of a sudden, about four guys, I, I'm pretty sure it's four. And I'm looking at the roster here and, you know, Purdue hasn't updated it yet. <laughs> I know for sure that, um, you know, rising, he's a thir- he's going to be a third year sophomore, Kyle Jornigan who I really like to play right guard for us or left guard, one of the guard spots. Um, he's going to medically retire, um, which is very disappointing. I, I, he had a huge, huge, huge ceiling, I think. He, he played in a couple games last year. He's a really, really wide guard. Um, I mean, he, he looked like the epitome of a guard. Um, another one here, I believe, and, I, you know, I don't want to completely lie here, but I think it was – Will Bramble might have been another casualty, um, which is disappointing because Will was a very um, versatile, um, I guess, guard um, or tackle. He could play play either way. And there's a couple other guys on there. But you go from, you know, being like 10 deep to all of a sudden you're going, oh, shit, do we have seven guys? And can those two backups play multiple positions? And, you know, now you're looking at a guy like the fifth-year walk-on uh, Sam Garvin, who's played center for us, who's going to have to play center and guard probably. Eric Miller, um, a, a fourth-year junior, uh, he's going to have to be able to play left tackle and right tackle. And, you know, um, <clears throat> Spencer Holstage is going to have to be able to play all over the place. And it's time for a guy like DJ Washington, who's in his fifth year on campus, uh, to step up and at least provide some depth. Um, but luckily, we got a, you know, transfer coming in, Tyler Witt, that will – That'll help out. And, you know, Cam Craig's coming back off injury. And I think we're going to be okay. And it always helps, I think, having the best center in the Big Ten with Gus Hartwig um, as, a, as a true sophomore. The, the kid's phenomenal. And I think he'll make the whole offensive line a lot better around him, too. It definitely helps to have a really smart, good center with any quarterback. Um, obviously Plummer had his ups and downs, but I, I think we're on the same page where we both like the kid quite a bit. If we give him some time. He's shown to be a pretty effective and efficient quarterback back there. Yeah, I think, you know, I think Jack Plummer, um, you know, when he was the first quarterback that Coach Brom truly recruited, you know, he inherited the guy before him and very sure that guy's quit football a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, and when, when Plummer, when Plummer committed, you know, Coach Brom said that this was the guy he wanted, you know, this is the guy he sought out and obviously a little bit of instilling confidence, but he obviously liked his game too. And, Jack can run and he can play in the pocket as well, but he, you know, he's a, he's a pretty big arm. Um, and I saw a statistic, um, NFL draft night that the quarterback Florida that got drafted to the Falcons, right? Kyle Trask, I think. Yeah. Or no, he went to Buccaneers. Yeah. Um, he gets he, uh, behind TB12. Yeah. That's not a bad gig. Um, Kyle Trask led the nation in an explosive plays over 25 yards. Number two was Jack Plummer. And I Jack did not know that. Season. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that is with Rondell Moore not playing a few games. And other than that, you were turning, you know, an explosive receiver, David Bell, to pair him with. And a guy like Milton Wright um, in the slot – or, sorry, on the other outside. And then you have, you know, Jackson Anthrop, who I think is collecting um, retirement at this point <laughs> um, from Purdue, playing a little bit in the slot. So, you know, he has some weapons. The the real question for me now is, and I was really looking forward, like we were just talking about the offensive line, um, to that O-line opening up some running um, lanes for, you know, Xander Horvath and King Do Rue. Um, 
now will that still be available? Because the best offenses we've seen under Coach Jeff Brom at Purdue is with Markel Jones and DJ Knox, and those guys combined for over a thousand yards rushing those two seasons. And his best offense ever was at Western Kentucky when his offense, when his running back had fourteen hundred yards rushing. Yeah, and he really touched on what I always thought when you watch Jack Plummer play. Yes, he is sneaky athletic, which is nice. He can really make a play last a little longer. When he got to set his feet, a really accurate thrower downfield. And if you're throwing to David Bell and Milton Wright, Milton Wright, who really impressed me, I like his speed. I like his body out there. When you when he has time to set his feet, he throws an accurate ball. And those two are two playmakers. So, yeah, I think you hit it right on the head where it was things were looking very good going into the year that we might have a real surprise offense on our hands. And now, once again, we have questions at the most important spots. Yeah, you know, and you're talking about, you know, Jack Plummer as a redshirt freshman, he got thrown into the fire when Elijah Sindelar tore his knee up in 2019. And he only he only completed 59% of his passes in seven games as a redshirt freshman. Last year, before he got hurt in his three games, he was at 71% completion, and those three games were without Rondale Moore. So 71% and the second most big plays in the country. And it was in three games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, he had eight touchdowns and two interceptions in those three games as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't understand how people aren't a little more excited about him. Uh, there, there's definitely some talk where they want to look forward to some other players, but I think... I think if we can provide him with even a little bit of time back there in a decent running game, we have an offense that could be very successful. Oh, absolutely. And you have and, and as much crap as I, I like to give Coach Brom now because it's just kind of been up and down the last um, couple of years. I mean, the guy knows his X's and O's. And when you watch a, a Purdue football game on Saturdays, there's some wrinkles in there that you don't see with, with a lot of you know offensive-minded coaches. Um, with, with different motions and putting people in different positions, especially with Ron Dale last year or two years ago, excuse me. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a really good offensive minded coach. And then you got two co-offensive coordinators and his little brother, Brian Brom. And then two, that's uh, nothing. I know that's yeah, nothing. defense has like six. Uh, and, then <laughs> Jamarcus, and then Jamarcus Shepard, who I think brings a lot to the table and who's going to be a star in the coaching world at some, at some point. I say, I, I don't know if anyone knows this about you. You, you are a high school coach right now for Harrison. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you kind of know the excess, how hard, how limited was Brom last year going at, we, we didn't know there was going to be a college football season until what, about a month before it started. Y- yeah. About a month before it started. Yeah, how I much does that limit adding <laughs> just a base offense, let alone extras, all these other things that Brom are good. That's Brom is good at. Like how you know, little time does he have to actually implement anything that he wants and feel confident in? First of all, the NCAA limits how many hours they can go per week on the field and in the classroom. I think they limited that about 30. Okay. So he already is limited to that. And then it gets reduced to, okay, you got basically a three week training camp to get ready and get going. Now, we can give him crap and we can give him crap for that or whatever. And that's not a whole lot of time. Division three football coaches do that every single year and their kids show up the first of August and they're playing a game the last week of August. So it's doable, but on a large scale in the big 10, you know, and you're playing eight big 10 games, that's tough. And then your, your star opts out and then opts in. And then he's hurt for three or four games and everybody's going, what the hell's going on? And they're asking him questions. And then Brom gets COVID at the start of the year, <laughs> you know, there's there's a lot of ins and outs. Your quarterback gets hurt. Uh, you know, there's a lot of injuries. You got players opting out. 
you know, and that, that's a big reason I think he's going to get a mulligan um, on last season in the eyes of our athletic director. Um, and, you know, if, if this season's a complete flop, he's going to get on the hot seat for 2022. You know, I don't, I don't think they look at last season at all. Cause you're talking, I think we ended up having like almost 20 scholarship guys opt out. I remember at the beginning of last year, I was on this podcast with Greg Doyle, a sports writer at the Indy sport or yeah. Indy star. And like, we both had, like before we knew this was going to happen that we would judge towards the end of the year, but it's like, we both made a declaration this year. doesn't matter. We can't judge any coach by what happens. And I think we saw that, and obviously we get frustrated as the year goes on, but it is really unfair to judge anyone on what happened last year, result-wise. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, and, you know, people want to put an asterisk next to like LeBron James Disney World Championship <gasps> last year, last last summer, you know, um, you know, I, no one's putting an asterisk next to I, what, what, did Clemson win it or Alabama? I think it was Alabama, right? I kid sure it was Alabama. Pretty, it's one, it's sure. one of those two, yeah. right? Um, so I mean. You know, it's hard to judge them off of, you know, 20 scholarship guys off opting out, you know, and then uh, your quarterback gets hurt. You get COVID. You, you, once he gets COVID, he can't even, you know, do anything in terms of coming to the facility and things like that. Yeah, it, it's tough. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely tough. He, he missed an entire spring and an entire summer. And then for a year that uh, for, uh, for a coach that's going in, he was going into his fourth year, you know, his first true recruiting class going into the, you know, basically in their third year on campus. Um, that's tough because you're, you want those third year guys to make that jump. I'll tell you what, uh, 2020 Casey, not the best Casey that's ever shown up either. <laughs> I don't know exactly. if any of us were like tip top form. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Sorry. Right, we've been spending a little time looking at the past. Let's look forward. Um, it's been a pretty big couple weeks here for Purdue football uh, visits opened up and, Brom has brought in a bunch of recruits. Uh, so far right now, I believe we counted it up beforehand. He's got 13 commitments, uh, one four-star uh, Brady Allen, at quarterback uh, out of Fort Branch, Indiana. I don't know where that is. I've <laughs> lived in way. Indiana most of my life. He goes to Gibson Southern High School. Don't know what that is. Uh, you know, it's not a perennial powerhouse by any means, but he's the, he's, he's the real deal. He's... You know, he is all he is six five, two hundred and ten pounds and can throw the ball sixty yards in the air. He's he's legit. I like those things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but you know, we are a team that's losing some players. Are there any of these uh players that you can see that are going to uh really kind of change the direction of the program or fill in spots, maybe the better way to say it, that we really need looking into that twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three season? You know, the 2022 class uh, right now for me um, is, is, is a lot of unknowns. Okay. It's, you know, people um, are complaining. Um, even some in our group chat about, you know, things about like uh, some of these kids, other offers. Oh, they got an offer from Marshall or, oh, they only have Ivy League offers. But, you know, they're a three star, so they've been judged. But it's hard to judge a lot of these kids because college or high school football is not like high school basketball. No. Okay? You get. You get a 10-game season, up to 14 if you run to state, and that is what you're judged on. You don't get to play AAU all spring and summer, where the recruiters are out there and the rent, you know, everybody that's ranking you is out there. You get 10 to 14 games to determine what what you are. And a lot of these kids might have only had four to eight games last year, right? Yeah. So, to me, the to me the offers 
if a kid only has Mac level offers doesn't that doesn't really bug me. The offense alignment, um, I think, is all of a sudden. You know, I think it was a huge push for that when we got four medical retirees since January. <laughs> um, now we have four offense alignment in this class, and I think we were probably originally planning on taking two. Um, I really like Andre Oban, six foot five, three hundred and fifteen pound offensive guard. I mean, he has a college ready body right now. His dad played in the NFL. His dad's still involved at an executive level in the NFL, um, working for them. I like um, I also Yeah, no, I I do too. His brother I think plays defensive end at Duke. Um, I really like the the receiver that just committed, Curtis DeVille, but I always love receivers in the Brahm offense because I feel <laughs> like we we forced the ball to him. Um, and then, you know, two good running backs, Terrence Thomas and Kentrell Marks. Um, Kentrell Marks a little bit more of a power back, 6'1", 190. Terrence Thomas more of a scat type guy, 5'10", 180. But my personal favorite in the entire class is a kid out of uh, Texas, this kid named J.P. Dieter. He's six foot five, 265 pounds. And at his Texas high school, he's played defensive end, he's played nose tackle, and he's played the three-tech and they move him all around. To me, his body looks just like George Karloftis when George came in. Now, oh he's not God. as an ex- yeah, he's not as explosive, explosive as George, like off the snap, and he's not a great pass rusher yet, but he's a hell of a <laughs> – he fits his gaps, and he's a great run-stuffing defensive end, three-tech type guy. Um, but his body looks just like George, 6'4", 6'5", 265, and I'm really, um, really excited about J.P. Dieter and how we got – him out of Texas, and I'm also really excited about all these Louisiana kids that our special teams coordinator, Marty Biagi, is bringing in. Uh, he's doing a heck of a job down in um, Louisiana. Yeah, we've got a lot of interesting body types coming in on the defensive end, especially, like you mentioned, uh, mentioned with Dieter. Uh, Roman Petrie's 6'5", uh, you know, well above 200. Uh, Nick Carraway, interesting prospect. And like you said, it's it's almost impossible to tell high school players. It's not like they're going one-on-one against the best guys. Right. You you don't ever break down a high school tape and think, well, he's going against this guy. It's very rare. Yeah. It's, it's, it's much different than basketball recruiting. Like I I feel like when you and I are watching our basketball recruiting stuff with coach painter, like when we saw that coach paint was going after, you know, Caleb first, you and I both know we're like, yeah, that kid's Mm going to be a dude. Or like when, when we watched Jaden Ivey in high school, we were both like, yeah, Jaden Ivey, is going to be a dude. But, you know, Brady Allen's a four-star, which is what, you know, Caleb First and Jaden Ivey were. And we know those guys are going to be dudes. But Brady Allen is it's like, how great is he going to be? We don't get to see him against a broad competition. We get to see him in Class 3A football for 10 to 14 weeks. That's it. I mean, so it's hard to judge. You know, it's hard to judge, in my opinion. Um, but I like a lot of the ceilings on these guys. And the big thing with Coach Brom and what he's done in years past and what he continues to do is he brings in specific body types. His quarterbacks he likes to recruit are always between 6'2 to 6'5 and above 200 pounds. He likes to bring in offensive linemen that are 6'5, 270 pounds, and he puts 35 pounds of you know college muscle on them. Um, and he likes his receivers to play on the outside that are above 6'2. You can see that David Bell, Milton Wright, and Abdur uh, Rahman Yassin, and those guys that are on roster right now. So. Amada Anderson. Oh man, I'm gonna miss them. Yeah, there, there is absolutely you can you cannot fault Brahms targeting of wide receivers at all and what he gets out of them. Oh, oh hell no. And and I think Ahmad just kind of was like, I want the ball more a little bit, you know, which is fine. He was really good. He was oh, he really was, good. He was 
very, very good. Uh, but, you know, I think a little so, – some of the, the force feeding of Rondale Moore last year, I think, hurt a, hurt some people's feelings a little bit. Yeah, and you get that on both ends. Um, yeah, and it's clear sure. that, you know, David Bell's going to get 10 to 15 targets a game. And even more so than Rondale Moore, he's, he's more of a versatile player because he can – pretty much attack at all three levels and be, you know, better than any defensive back that's going to guard him. So, you know, he's Plummer likes to look for him. Plummer has that nice softball that uh, Mm -hmm. is pretty easy to track. And Bell is as good a college receiver at tracking the ball that I've seen in a long time. Uh, He's, he's very, very, he's not the fastest guy in the world, but man, his, he is so smooth in his routes and his hands are so good. And he's so crafty off the line of, line of scrimmage that it doesn't matter that he only runs like a high four or five because he's still better than you. Yeah. And he knows. So uh, we are looking at what is probably going to be something of a crossroads season for Brom. Really need to see some kind of, you know, win loss up towards the positive this year. Get to a bowl game if we have bowl games still. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Who knows? Are, are there anyone is anyone coming to campus this year? Uh, we'll start off with any true freshmen that are going to make an impact that you see to me. Yeah. To me, obviously the obvious one is our only four star for the 21 class. Uh, Yanni Karloftis. Now this 21 class was one. It was very small. It was only, it was only 15 commits because coach Brown knew he was going to hit the transfer portal hard, which I think he got 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. So it, it was 76 in the nation, which is not great. But Yanni, um, I like Yanni to make an impact, but he tore his hamstring last year at West Lafayette High School, and I don't know if he's going to be back from that. That sounds Other painful. than that, yeah. Um, other than that, you know, maybe one of the defensive backs. Uh-huh. To me, this is a depth class more than anything. Okay. I see Ricky Smith and maybe Javon Grigsby getting in the mix and in the secondary, just, you know, or special teams. But, like, other than that, I just don't – I don't see anybody getting in the mix early on okay. other than Yanni. So you mentioned then we've got some transfers in, I believe 12, you told me off. Yeah. Off, off the top of my head. Yeah. There's, there's a good chunk of them. And I like a couple um, to make an impact early, especially on the defensive line. Cause we needed help. Uh, Marge Lewis. He's a, he's a transfer from IU. He's a big body, like defensive tackle. I think he's going to pair up really nice with uh, Anthony Watts. Um, I think he'll be really good. Um, he adding him and adding Joseph Anderson from South Carolina, as well as getting like Lawrence Johnson back. I think we have superior defense alignment. Another one, Tyler Witt, he's the guard, fifth year transfer from Western Kentucky. Um, probably the last Western Kentucky Jeff Brom connection that we'll get there. I think by the end of the season, he <laughs> might be just as good as, uh, as Gus Hartwig. And then you just called him the best center in the conference. I think Tyler Wood's pretty good. He's a short arm guard. That's, and our strength coaches said he's the strongest person on the team, and it's not really that close. And he's a good follow on Twitter. Actually, he's kind of funny. Um, but he he squats a lot and he bench presses a lot, which is you know never never a terrible thing. Um, and then the last one for me is the Marshall receiver Brock Thompson. Um, he's from he's originally from Indianapolis, and I think he had a family member get sick so he wanted to transfer and play closer to home i actually really like his game he's about six three oh. um 200 pounds he's caught a lot of passes at marshall actually um and he um i think he if there's injuries i think that he could play and play pretty early if there's injuries but i don't see him overtaking any reps from you know um milton wright who's very very impressive but um at, at marshall in two years 
Um, he he played in eleven games and he had he caught thirty three passes for five hundred sixty two yards, which isn't bad for an incoming transfer receiver. No, not at all. Do you think this is a year that uh, Sheffield gets onto the uh, offensive set list? Uh, what do you mean? Sorry. Oh, TJ, I got TJ. You. Yeah, I like TJ Sheffield a lot, and he's a really good special teamer. Um, our special teams needs to make that jump. I like. I like TJ to start in the slot over Jackson Anthrop. Um, uh, Jackson's going to get on the field just because his hands are so sure. But Coach Brom also mentioned using Jackson in different sets, um, like out of the backfield and things like that. You got to find a way to get TJ Sheffield in the field. I mean, he is a he was a former Notre Dame commit. They oversigned, so they cut him loose, and he comes to Purdue and he gets buried behind Rondell Moore for a couple years. Um, he is a he is a shifty little guy, and I, I we haven't seen we've seen him catch one pass in two years at Purdue, but he is a pretty good returner on kick return. So expect him there, and I expect to see him play in the slot. That'll be exciting. You know, we're gonna miss some some really nice highlights to watch that we got from Rondell Moore in Sheffield. Isn't Rondell Moore, but he's that kind of player, short. Stronger than you'd expect, quick, uh, gets the ball in his hands, causes trouble. Uh, yeah, I, exactly. You know, we've covered a good bit. Uh, looking forward to the next season. I'm sure we'll have you back on to talk about more. We do this with Ledman. I didn't warn you ahead of time because I'm not a <laughs> professional, but uh, do you have anything to recommend? I've done tweets. Ledman only does like highfalutin books. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. I We were talking right before we started on the podcast, and I just... I just tried the. I'm not a big Samuel Adams beer drinker. I tell you what, this, this but is a good call. I I I tried. I went out on a limb. Actually, my sister for Father's Day got me a little, you know, six pack of just random beers from like the grocery store or something. A strong move. Bless her. Yeah, that's all right. I'm, you know, and I said, let's try the Sam Adams. Okay, so Sam Adams Summer Ale Citrus Wheat. I tell you, what, it's pretty refreshing. Uh, you know, I don't I don't want to call it really like a shandy. It's just it's not a shandy, it's just, but it's bright. Yeah, it's bright and it's and it's light and it's a nice summer beer. Um, so I mean, if you if you want to grab yourself a six pack, I don't think you'd be disappointed. I you know I think it'd be be nice to sit out you know, while you're grilling some bratwurst for your family or something to have a few of those bad boys. And I tell you, it's, it's much better than expected. I'm always a little <laughs> wary when I get these little sampler packs, especially from a family member who doesn't drink beer. <laughs> Okay, so so good on my sister. She hit mm-hmm. a home run on this one, and now I got to go buy a six pack. There you go. That's perfect. And what better time than right before the Fourth of July? Kyle, thanks for joining us. Uh, hope you have a good Fourth of July. Listeners, hope you all have a good Fourth of July. Blow stuff up, but be mindful. You know, no reason to be a dick <laughs> about it. Try to keep it to just the Fourth. Yes. And uh, hope everyone has a wonderful Fourth of July and a great weekend. We will be back with you, probably, maybe with Ledman. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll